Well, this morning we're going to start a new study through the book of Revelation. So I want to encourage you to have your Bible and I want you to turn to the book of Revelation because Revelation 1 is where we're going to start today. But I also am going to encourage you to turn to the book of Luke and just hold your place in Luke chapter 12 because we're going to be looking at both of those texts today as we start this new study. And the reason we're starting this new study is because we are definitely living in interesting days. And for many, these are days that are very hard to understand. They are days that are hard to find meaning in. And for so many, these are days where it is so hard to find hope. But that should not be the case for a believer in Jesus Christ. Because a believer in Jesus Christ has hope. Because we can turn to God's word and we can see his promises. And we are turning to the book of Revelation. Because in the book of Revelation, we see the love of God. We see the mercy of God and we also see an attribute. We don't talk a lot about God, but we see his patience. God has been patient with you and God has been patient with me and he is being patient with this world. And the reason is because he wants the lost found before Jesus Christ returns and return. He will, because if you go read the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, we see the last moments of Jesus on this earth. And just before he goes to heaven, he gives us our last command or our last word of instruction. And he says this in Acts 1 8. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then right after he says that, the Bible says he ascends up into heaven. He just floats up into the sky, into the air to be with God the Father until he returns. And the disciples are there and they're watching this and they're just gawking, they're just staring up into heaven and two angels appear and they say to these disciples, they say, men of Galilee, why are you staring into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you, that same Jesus will one day return the same way that you saw him go. Two times in Acts 1.11, Luke uses that word, the same, the same Jesus. So what he is saying is the same Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, the same Jesus who turned water into wine, the same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead, the same Jesus who hung on the cross and died for our sins, the same Jesus who God resurrected from the dead, that Jesus will one day return to this earth and it will be the most glorious and expected event in the history of the world. Because for 2,000 years, the church has waited for the return of Christ. And what I am most excited about is that I believe that you and I are living in the day. We are living in the generation that will see Jesus Christ return. For whatever reason, God has chosen you to live during this moment in history to be a part of his plan for redemption, the climax of all God has done on this earth, you are a part of. And the word of God says in Revelation that we should be ready. And that's why we are looking to this book so that we will be ready. And I'm going to say this over and over in this study. The one thing that I will say is that we are studying Revelation We are studying about our future. And the reason we're studying about the future is because we are called to be faithful in the present. God doesn't care so much about your future. He cares about your present. And he cares about what you're doing now and that you're remaining faithful to the call of God that he has placed on your life. And that call is to make the name of Jesus known to the ends of the earth. And when we do that, 
Matthew 24, 14 will be fulfilled. And Jesus says there that the good news about the kingdom will be preached in all the world so that all peoples will hear it and then the end will come. That is when Jesus Christ will return to this earth and we will see it with our very own eyes because God has chosen us to be a part of his great plan. So as we study this book, I want you to understand that God did not write the book of Revelation to confuse you. God did not write the book of Revelation to divide the church as it so often has. God has written this so that you can read it, so that you can understand what is happening in the days in which we live, so that you can be ready for Jesus Christ to come again. So as we look at this book, I want to say up front, that I'm not going to be able to explain everything in the book of Revelation to you. I do not have the capacity. I do not have the ability to do that. And guess what? No one else on this earth does either. So if someone tells you, they can tell you exactly what Revelation means and exactly what's going to happen in Revelation. They are lying to you. Run from them. They are a false teacher. Because Deuteronomy 29.29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord. And there are some secret things here. There are some mysterious things here that we will not fully understand. But as we study this book, this is kind of how I see this book unfolding so that you can know what God's word says. Over the past few weeks, during this time of quarantine at my house anyway, one of the things my girls have been doing is they have been putting together puzzles. They like puzzles. And they started out just putting together puzzles that are like 100, 200 pieces. But for the last week or so, they have a puzzle that is 1,000 pieces. So in my living room, we have a big table that is spread out. And on that table are puzzle pieces all over this thousand piece puzzle. And so what they do, they always start with the outline of the puzzle and they get the outline and then they start putting together the center. And so over time, as they put one piece of the puzzle together and another piece of the puzzle, you can start seeing an image appear. The picture of the puzzle, you can start putting it together. And that's what we're going to do as we study Revelation. We're going to see the image start to appear. And we are going to see what unfolds. Now, we won't be able to put every piece of the puzzle together. You probably won't see every piece of the puzzle as we study this book. But you will see enough of the picture that God wants you to see so that you will be ready. And not only so that you will be ready, so those that you love will be ready. And the world will hopefully hear the name Jesus preached so that they will believe, so that the lost can be found before Jesus Christ returns. So as we look at this and we try to put this puzzle together, what we're going to do is we're going to look in Revelation 1. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to get you to turn to Revelation 1. And we're going to start reading here in verse 1. And so this is what God's word says here in Revelation 1. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near now what john writes here the apostle john as he records the events given to him here in the book of revelation as he starts out in verse one 
talking about this being the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that word there in Revelation 1, that word, revelation, that word is just the Greek word apocalypsis. And we get the word apocalypse from it. But so many people think of the word apocalypse and they really don't know what it means because they think it means something like from a movie or somewhere else. But the word apocalypse, all it means is to unveil or to unmask. So when we read Revelation, we're unveiling something. What are we unveiling? Are we unveiling the future? No, we are unveiling Jesus Christ. The whole book of Revelation is a testimony about Jesus Christ. It is revealing who Jesus Christ is. And we're going to go to a verse very often in our study in the book of Revelation because I believe it is a theme verse for the whole book of Revelation. And I want you to see what the Bible says in Revelation 19 as it talks about Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says this. It says, John, he's talking to an angel here. John, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But the angel said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you, your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Those words right there. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. That is why we have the book of Revelation in the Bible. That is why we are going to study the book of Revelation so that we can have a clear witness, the essence of who Jesus Christ is. So memorize that verse. Caleb's going to ask the kids to memorize that verse because it's so important as we start this study. And as we continue just here in Revelation 1, what I want to do just to set this study up and introduce this study to you is I want to begin just by asking three questions that are the introduction for us to Revelation. And the first question is this. I want you to know who Revelation is written for, who God is giving this book to. And so I want you to go back to Revelation verse 2, 1 verse 2 there, because I want to read this to you, because this is what the Word of God says there. Let's go back to verse 1 instead of verse 2. But if you look at verse 1, this is what it says. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John. Right there, we see the word servants. God gave this word, he gave this revelation, or he is unveiling Jesus to servants of Jesus Christ, believers, Follower in Jesus Christ is who this is written for. This is not written for unbelievers. Unbelievers cannot understand the words of the Bible because they don't understand truth because the Spirit of God is not living or dwelling within them. That is why this book is for servants. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this book is for you. And when we study it, I want you to read it and I want you to understand it and I want you to find purpose and meaning in it because God wants to reveal things to you so that you will be ready. So this book is for servants. But a second question, and this question I have been asked so many times over the last couple of weeks, specifically about the situation in which we find ourselves with coronavirus affecting the whole world. So many people have asked me, John, is this the judgment of God? 
Is this God's judgment on the world? Is this plague? Is this virus? Is it his judgment? And as I tell you that, I want you to understand how we're going to interpret not only Revelation, but how we're going to interpret Scripture. I believe that you interpret the Bible with the Bible itself. The Bible interprets itself. So we always look to God's word, not only to answer questions about Revelation, but to answer questions like I am asking, is this the judgment of God? And as I explain that to you, I want you to understand what the judgment of God is. Because so often in our mind, when we think about the judgment of God, we go back to the Old Testament. We go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. We go back to Noah and the ark and the flood. And we see God as an angry God in heaven who sends fire and brimstone down. And that's how he judges the world. But listen to me, that is not the heart of God. Because the heart of God is what we see when we see Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. We see him dying in our place because he loves us so much. And God's heart is love. If you ever want to see an image of God, just look to Jesus. Because the book of Colossians tells us that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, you see God. And ever since the cross, what God has been doing, according to 2 Corinthians 5, is that God has been reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. That is God's heart. He is not setting up in heaven, casting down fire and brimstone, judging us. He is not sending viruses to judge us. But this is what is happening. Because if you read the Bible, in Romans chapter 1, you see the judgment of God. And what I want you to see is the judgment of God right now on this earth is much worse than fire and brimstone falling from heaven. So look with me at Romans 1 verse 24. This is what the Bible says. It says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. If you go on and read verse 28, it says it again. For God abandoned them three times in five verses. The Bible says God abandoned them. Why? Because they would not worship him. They would not serve him. They would not call him Lord. So what does God do? All God does is hand them over. And who does he hand them over to? Themselves. Their own heart. Their own desires. And they are free to go and do whatever they want. And the result of that is sin. And whenever you have sin, there are always consequences to sin. And today, the judgment of God is we just live in the consequences of sin. That's why there are things like genocide. That's why there is murder. That's why there are people killed by drunk drivers. That's why there's cancer. That's why there is a coronavirus. Because God has handed us over to ourself. And if we want to live outside of the presence of God and outside of his blessings, he will allow it. But we will have to deal with the consequences. So that is how God is judging the world right now that we are living. But please listen to me. As we study the book of Revelation, you will see that God is going to judge. 
Because when Jesus Christ returns, he is going to judge all of those who would not believe in him for salvation. He will judge them. Sin will be judged and sin will be punished. But right now, we're just simply living in a time where God has handed us over. So if you are not a follower, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, when you sin, you deal with the consequences of that sin and you deal with that sin apart from God and his presence and his blessing and his salvation. And we're seeing that now in a worldwide event where we live outside of God's presence. So when we try to answer the question, is this the judgment of God? Understand how God is working right now in our midst because he is working. And for the believer, he is working everything together for good, Romans 8, 28. But he is working in everything. And I believe that he is setting the stage for the book of Revelation to unfold. And you can see that from the reaction of people to this event. You can see it from the reaction of governments to this event, from the reactions of the world to this event. And we are going to talk about those specifically as we go through the book of Revelation. And you are going to see them, and it is going to be clear to you how God is using the current day so that the future will unfold before our very eyes. And then just one last question that I have been asked. I have been asked things like this. John, are we living in the last days? Or the, another question I got just this week. John, as we study the book of Revelation, right now, I want you to tell us where we are in the chain of events as Revelation lays it out. So here's what I want to tell you and to answer that question. I told you earlier that the way we're going to interpret the book of Revelation is not from a theological point of view. We're going to let the Bible interpret the Bible. And so the best thing that we can do and the thing that we're going to do often is we're going to go back to the words of Jesus and we're going to see the words of Jesus and what he says about his coming. We're going to see what he says about the future. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says something very interesting that you have to understand that I think is a key to unlocking the book of Revelation so that you can understand not only the day in which we live, but what is going to happen in the very near future what the Bible promises. So if you turned over to Luke chapter 12, I want you to look at verse 35 because we're going to look at that scripture. But here's just to set it up. Here's what happened. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus went to a Pharisee's home to have dinner. And the Pharisees invited Jesus to that home because they wanted to trick him. They wanted to find something they could use to condemn him later. And so Luke chapter 12, Jesus is leaving that home and he's a little ill. He's perturbed, you can tell. And a crowd gathers around him, a crowd of a thousand or more people, and they want to hear him teach. But he turns to his disciples right after meeting with those Pharisees. And this is what he says. He says, anyone on this earth who acknowledges me, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But anyone who rejects me, I will reject before my Father in heaven. And then down in verse 35, he tells a story telling us to be ready for his coming. And so verse 35 says this. Jesus says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and to let him in the moment that he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will sit with them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night 
or just before dawn. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So here in Luke chapter 12, and he gives this same illustration in Matthew 25, talking about his return. He talks about a wedding and how his return is going to be like a wedding. And let me explain this to you just real quick. Because a Jewish wedding in Jesus' day is much different from our wedding today, especially in Western culture in 2020. Today, for us anyway, a wedding takes place in two phases. You have an engagement phase where a man and a woman are engaged to one another to be married. And then you have an actual wedding ceremony. And that's the stages of our wedding, two stages. But in Jesus' day, a wedding was much different. It was actually, it took place in three stages. And this is what would happen. In Jesus' day, there would always be an arrangement phase. And this would usually take place between two families or two sets of parents. Sometimes when children were very small, they would arrange for a son and a daughter to marry. Now, sometimes this would take place when the kids were teenagers and they might meet each other and fall in love and they go to their parents and say, we want to be married. And then the families would arrange for that marriage. And here's what would always take place in the arrangement phase. The father of the groom would come to the father of the bride and he would negotiate a price for the bride. And he would tell the father, okay, I will give you this and I will give you this much for a dowry. And the father of the bride would agree and they would make an arrangement. And then not long after that arrangement, if the children were older, if they were teenagers, there would actually be a ceremony. This was called the betrothal phase. And this would actually be where they would take and make vows to one another, much like our wedding ceremony. They would make a covenant to one another that they would be wed and that they would be married and they would be together for life. But at this betrothal stage, they did not live together after this. They did not have physical contact. In fact, they would separate from this phase. And the groom would go to his home to prepare a place for his bride. He would go back to his father's home and usually he would build a room onto his home or build a place very close to his father's house and he would prepare a home for her to come and get his bride and take her to. Now sometimes this would take a year, sometimes longer, but this was the phase when Joseph and Mary were about to give birth to Jesus. They were in this betrothal stage. And so this is what would happen. And then once the home was ready, the groom had his home ready for his bride. He would come back and get her and take her back to that home. And there would be a wedding feast or a celebration. Now, here's what would happen just before the wedding feast. Now, I said earlier, sometimes this could take up to a year to build that house or prepare that home. But just before he was going to come get his bride. He would start sending hints and he would say, it's almost time so that she would know to be preparing herself for the wedding celebration or the wedding feast. And so about a week or so or sometimes even two weeks out, he would start sending hints. And what the bride would do is she would place bridesmaids on the road and they would have lamps if it was dark and they would be waiting for the bridegroom so they could announce his coming so the bride would be ready when he would come. So every day she would get up and she would fix her hair. She would fix her makeup. She would be ready for her bridegroom come. And then one day he would come and he would get her and he would take her to the home he prepared and they would have a celebration or a wedding feast. 
And here in Luke chapter 12 and in Matthew 25, Jesus says that's what it's going to be like when he returns. Now think about it just from our perspective as believers. This is what has happened for us. Our Father, God, has made an arrangement. He paid a price for our salvation. And that price was Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. He made a way for us to be saved. And then if we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to save us, that is our betrothal stage. That is where we make vows to Jesus Christ. And that is where we confess Him as Lord. And now, what is Jesus doing? We looked at it last week, John 14. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us to come so that we can stay forever and ever. And one day he will come back and get us. That's what his word says. So now he is sending us hints saying it is getting close. The time is near. Be ready for my return. Be ready. And so God is telling us, I believe, through all the events of our day, that we should be getting ready because the time is near. The time is near. And so I want you to think about it like this. As you get ready for the return of Jesus Christ. As a pastor, I've done a lot of weddings. I've been a pastor over 20 years and I've married a lot of couples. And here's the one thing I know about a bride on her wedding day. When that bride wakes up early in the morning on her wedding day, she is not ready for the wedding. She wakes up with bad hair, with bad breath. She wakes up in a bad mood because she hadn't had her coffee. She is not ready. So what does she do? She gets out of bed and she begins to prepare herself for her groom and for her wedding. And she dresses herself. She fixes her hair. She puts on makeup. And then when that time for the wedding march happens, I'll tell you this as a pastor, I have never seen an ugly bride. Why? Because they always prepare themselves. And that's what God is telling us to do right now as the church, the bride of Christ, prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. And that is why we study scripture. That is why we pray. That is why we memorize the word of God. That is why we serve. That is why we make the name of Jesus known. Why? Because we are getting ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And I know in your mind you're thinking, well, John, that sounds real interesting and that sounds great. But how do you know that that's truly what's happening? Because later on in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells us something. And he says that we better be ready. And I want you to see what he says. He says in verse 54, he says, he also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see in the south wind blowing, you say there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? So what Jesus is saying there is we can take our phone out and look at a weather app and know it's going to rain tomorrow. But we can't look at all that's going on around us and understand that it is getting close to the return of Jesus Christ. The time is present according to the word of God. And I can't tell you if it's going to be tomorrow or next week or next year. I can't tell you that. No one can. But I can tell you that we are nearer to the return of Christ than we ever have been. And it is time to get ready. Because Jesus is coming. And the most amazing thing about what he says here when he comes is he says that he is going to do something for us that shocks me. 
Look at verse 37 again of Luke chapter 12. Jesus says the servants. Now remember that word. We saw it in Revelation 1. Who he's writing Revelation 2. The servants who are ready and who are waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself. Who's that talking about? Who's he? It's Jesus. He himself will seat them. Put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. When Jesus Christ comes back for you and me, the church, his bride, he is going to take us to the place he has prepared for us. And there is going to be a wedding feast. And not only is there going to be a wedding feast, but Jesus Christ himself will put an apron around his waist and he will serve us. Just like in John 13. When he washed the disciples feet. It's the same image. And that's why he says. Be ready. So just one question. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you ready to see him? Are you ready to meet him? Well, This is what I know according to the Bible. Not all of you are. The way I know some are not ready is because of the word of God. John, who wrote the book of Revelation, just earlier in your Bible, writes this in 1 John 2, verse 28. He says, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. John wouldn't have wrote this admonition unless some of you were not ready for his return. And when he does come back, you will shrink back in shame. So as we study the book of Revelation, as we look to God's word, take this time to prepare yourself to be ready for the return of our Lord. My favorite thing about the imagery here in Luke chapter 12 and what the book of Revelation tells us is Jesus going to prepare a place for us? An eternal home that we'll read about at the end of Revelation in Revelation 21-22. A few weeks ago I talked about the prodigal son. And do you know what led the prodigal son to repentance? It was him longing for his home. And as we study about our home, I hope that you long to be there. That's why we're calling this study Almost Home. Finding calm in the midst of chaos. Because that's what you can find if your focus is on eternal things. If your focus is on Jesus. So I hope that's your focus because you know Jesus Christ is Lord. But I know that many of you watching, many of you listening don't know him. Call upon his name to save you. Because the word of God says in Romans 10. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you do to call upon the name of the Lord. Is to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And he did all that he said he came to do. And if you call on him to save you, 
and you turn from your sin and you turn to him. The Bible says he will restore you to God. And then you will be his servant. And then when he comes. You will be with him forever. So as we close, I just want to say a prayer. So bow with me. Let me pray. Lord. We love you. And we thank you for your word. And I pray today that your word would go forth and that it would not return void. Lord, let your word draw us. Let your word create a longing in us to be near you. And Lord, use this for your glory. We just thank you for what you're going to do. And we praise your name. And we pray it in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to do something just a little bit different as we close. Caleb's about to come up and he's just going to share with our kids and he's just going to give them a challenge to do as we study Revelation. So watch Caleb as he comes up. And then right after Caleb, there are going to be some reflection questions up on the screen. Just some ways that you can discuss and you can talk with your family or just think among yourselves about what the book of Revelation is going to teach us as we introduced it to the day. So go through those questions and then be ready for next week as we go deeper into the book that God has given us to reveal who he is. We'll see you then.